Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Black Girl Creative. My name is Alicia Renice, and I'm so happy that you are here. Yay! So while there's no intro music today, I wanted to share with you all a live that I did last night about who do you want to be when you grow up? Who do you want to be? What do you want to be? And this was a really, really good live that I want to share with you guys. And it's in preparation for our free meetup and event happening this Saturday on February 20th at 12 p.m. Excuse me, 12 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you're free, come out, bring a friend. It's free. I put the information in the description. And without further ado, here is last night's live. What do you want to be when you grow up? First, I want to start off by saying this Saturday, if you are a creative black woman and you want to come to a meetup about creativity and about recovering your dreams and all that good stuff, then feel free. And I think the link is in the description. If you want to come out, um, we're just going to meet up at 12 Eastern Standard Time. And so talk about our creativity. And so really to prepare for that, I've been asking people today, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And usually when people hear that question, it's like, I'm grown, right? Like I'm grown, I'm already grown up. But I really feel like at some point in our lives, like we, we believe that we have to stop dreaming. We have to stop um, thinking of what we could be and just be, right? When we were kids, I feel like the whole world was our oyster, right? Like anything was possible. Like, you know, when you're a little kid, you ain't got no debt, you ain't got no bills, you know? <laughs> like, you know, your meal is coming from every dinner, every lunch, every breakfast, you know, again, if you're, if you're provided for. Um, but usually like your, your worries are very small. And so you tend to think, you tend to dream as far as you can see. And so we talked about this before. Um, like some people, like some people dream only as far as they can see. So if their parent is like, you know, a firefighter or I don't know, a cop or a doctor, or maybe like their aunties and uncles are or our cousins are, they're like, oh, I want to be that. Like, we're almost like taught like, oh, this is who I can be in the world. This is how I can take my place and like take up space and be uh, usable, be be like a tool in, in the community. And so, you know, when I was younger, I had a whole lot of dreams. Um, I dreamt of, I dreamt of a lot. And uh, I dreamed of, my my number one dream was to be in, the, in Destiny's Child. So at the time when I was in elementary school, this was 95 to 2002, right? 95 to 2002. And so um, during that time, I wanted to be in Destiny's Child. Like I was like, I want to be a singer. Like I thought that's what I, that's what singing like looked like. It was, it was them, it was the girl groups. It was the girl groups I would watch on, on Disney Channel when they would have those little concerts and stuff like that. And so I would, I would gather my friends together and I'm saying, you know, let's be, let's be a girl group. Let's get together. Let's write songs. And so I would write songs and bring it back to my friends. And I don't really think that was their dream because like I was very serious about it. And my friends were like, this is just for fun. Like you're doing too much. <laughs> like Alicia, you wanna do choreography. You wanna sing and stuff like that. And then at some point, like, and so being again, like in a girl group, it means that you had to sing, you had to dance and maybe you had to write, right? And so um, I told some of my family, I mentioned this before, I wanna be a singer. And I also wanna be an actress. So I was very drawn to uh, performing arts. And so um, my mother put me in this program and I won't name the church, but it was a summer program for the arts and it was back in the nineties. And um, <laughs> wait, Marquita says, why are you trying to put Michelle at the group? Ain't nobody trying to do that. If anything, I was just on my own. Like they were just like, girl, you're doing too much. Like, let's move on. I'm going to do other things. But um, yeah, like, so I went into this program it was a Christian, it was a Christian like performing arts, you know, summer camp. And it was like a day camp. 
And so I went and I'm just like, you know, I'm going to do everything I want to do. I'm going to act. I'm going to sing. I'm going to dance. I'm going to do all the things like nobody had told me no yet. Nobody had told me that it wasn't possible to do the things yet. And so I get to the place and I remember this one dance teacher. She was really, really strict. And um, basically we were at the end of the at the end of the summer. And so they put on this whole performance. And so I was singing with the choir and um, I was doing something else like playing piano, I think. And dancing was something else that I took up. So we get in maybe like three rehearsals before the performance. And again, like we're little kids. Like it's not like we're teenagers. It's not very serious. It's not Juilliard, okay? It's like summer camp. <laughs> so the girl was like, it was me and these other girls and she would have us dance in sections. And so again, I'm not a dancer, but I've seen it done like now, like, oh, you five, get up here and do the choreography we practice. And then, you know, she tests you and then you other five get up here. I was dancing and I made one mistake. I made one mistake. And the woman said, oh, you can't perform in the end of the summer program. And I'm like, girl, what? So, you know, I'm rebellious. And I feel like even back then I was like, but this is supposed to be for fun. This is supposed to be enjoyable. And it was a Christian summer camp. So it was like, this is supposed to be for God, right? So like, so what if I miss a step? To me, looking back, she was more concerned with looking perfect and maybe because her name was tied to it. She was more concerned with it looking perfect rather than the kids actually learning dance and learning the joy of dance and the fun of it. Like she was like, no, if it's not perfect, you can't do it. So the performance night came, my mother showed up. And of course my mother knew that I was taking, you know, lessons in dance and piano and singing. And so when the dance team went up there, I didn't tell my mom, the dance team came up and she's looking at me in the audience and looking at the kids on the stage like, wait, what happened? What happened? Like, why aren't you up there? And I was so ashamed. Like, I felt like I felt like I had let everybody down. I felt like I was a failure. I feel like I failed. And even though I was practicing the dances, I was like doing them over and over and over again. And um, because I missed one step, I missed one like position or whatever it was. I was put out the thing. And so that scarred me emotionally, right? To see the look on my mom's face to be like, why aren't you up there? And then me and the other girls who were, there were other girls who were like, oh, you can't be in there either. Me and the other girls who were out there, we were in the, in the uh, what do you call it? The lane in the um, aisle. We were in the aisle doing the dances and we did it perfectly. We did it perfectly. Almost to say like, middle finger up to you, sis. <laughs> like in a, in a Christian way. Middle finger up to you. Like, even though you thought that we weren't, um, good enough we are like if you had given us more time and again like I had to been like 10 maybe 7 to 10 years old like I wasn't that old and so because of that moment I gave up on dance I said I don't want to dance anymore like I'm not good at it I don't want to dance because I don't want to be embarrassed like that moment was so scarring to me and and I'm just thinking about it now and talking about it now but like that's something that I keep in my mind like that's the only official experience I had with dance and because the teacher was so critical and so mean, she was mean, um, I, I just gave it all up. And I was like, okay, well, dancing is not my thing. Like I can't dance. Um, I, I just might as well move on to something else. And so I never, I never picked up dance again. Like, you know, and, I, and the thing is I would dance like in my house, I would dance at church, um, but that's something different. Like I never pursued dance to be like a possible avenue for me because I was like, I'm not good enough. And this lady, who is a professional by you know her standards is telling me at seven to 10 years old, you're not good enough. Well, might as well go pursue something that I am good enough at. Um, Marcus says rebellious, <laughs> I was rebellious. I was like, I was like, no, me and my homegirls gonna show you that we're actually talented and we, and we did a thing. 
But even after that, I just, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I think I told my mom, like, I don't want to dance anymore. My mom was like, what? But you like dancing. And I'm like, no, not really interested. So I moved on. So I, I pursued singing in church, in the choir, um, in the choir in high school, Largo High School. Shout out to Largo High School. Um, I sang in the choir there. But beyond that, even though secretly I had these secret dreams, I never pursued them because I didn't want to be embarrassed, because I didn't want to be rejected anymore. Um, because my heart as a child was really in it, was really in the arts, was really in in the dancing experience. And because this woman wounded me so, I was like, I cannot feel this again. I don't want to feel this again. If I don't have to feel it, I won't. And um, even when I was in high school, I went out for a for a solo. And, um, you know, people were like, oh, you know, um, I'm sorry, real quick. Barbara says mean is not Christian and she shouldn't have dashed her hopes. I agree. I agree. I feel like I feel like she was out of line for a lot of things. And again, when you're a kid, you don't know any better because you're, you're just like, oh, this is the adult, you know, and this is how I should be treated. Um, but looking back, she shouldn't have been in that position at all. Like, it, it was bad. Like, the way that she would talk to us, she, like, she was running, like, this strict, I don't know, like, uh, you would, again, you would think we were at, like, Juilliard or something, right? And these are just, like, these are babies. These are little kids who are just interested in using dance to, to praise their God. It's not that deep, you know what I mean? Um, but, yeah, but she was more concerned about perfection than... The joy of it and actually learning um, the art of dance, but also, again, how you can use your body to praise God. You know what I'm saying? And so that's what we were all there for anyway. So anyway, yes, she was she was not Christian-like at all. And so, again, I went out for a solo in choir. And I did it at the, I, I believe Marquita encouraged me to go out for the solo because I was like, I want to sing it. I think this is a song. And this is a song. I forget who sings it. Somebody will write it here. But it's like, I'm so glad trouble don't last always. And so I went out for the solo. And I had been practicing the solo, like, in my bathroom secretly. Like, when my mom wasn't home, when I was in the shower, I was singing it and practicing it over and over and over again. Um, I think I think he lent out a tape so we could hear it. Because this is before, like, you know, just streaming and stuff. And so I'm, you know, repeating the song over and over in the shower. And I almost didn't do it. Like, and I told my friends, like, I want to do this, right? But I almost didn't do it because all I could think of was me going up there, singing the song, and Mr. Murphy, the choir director, Mr. Murphy being like, mm, it's a no. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a no. And I was surrounded by all these talented people, these amazing, like, gorgeous singers. And I'm like, who am I to go out for something? Who am I to try this thing, right? And um, eventually, with the help of my friends, I went up there and sang the solo and I got the solo. And so I'm like, oh my God, like, this is amazing. Um, and then after that, he's like, well, now you have to learn ad libs and all this other stuff. And that's a whole other story because that was stressful um, to say the least. Because all I had prepared was the first verse. Like I didn't have anything else prepared because um, I didn't think I was going to get that far. But I was like, let me just, you know, let me just see what's going to happen. Let me just try. And so it really, me thinking about those moments now, really reminds me that there are so many dreams that I gave up on when I was a kid because of fear, right? Because of fear or like maybe because of what people told me, like the homegirl who was like, you can't dance, you know? Also being told, you know, you don't have the body of a dancer. Or when I was younger too, I was very skinny, very tall. And everybody's like, you have to play sports. You have to play basketball. So I gave up on that on, on the arts front and went to go play basketball because they're like, oh, you're a tall girl. You're a tall black girl. This is this is what tall people do. They play basketball. And, and I enjoyed it to a point, um, but eventually I hated it. Um, the men, thank you, Marcus. Yeah. Timothy Wright, Trouble Don't Last Always. 
um, the men or, or the boys at the time, the boys on the team, they were so serious and so like passionate about basketball. Um, they would like be brought to tears if we lost a game or they'd be on the verge of cussing. And then I was the only girl on the team. And so like the coach would be very like, Alicia, you got to do this. And I, was, and I played center. I don't have no skills with dribbling. Don't ask me to dribble nothing. I will embarrass myself. Um, but I could block because I was taller at the time than all the guys who we played against. And so the coach would be like, you know, um, just stand there and put your hands up and block the ball. So I'm like, okay, cool. Me just run up and down it up and down the court, don't pass me the ball, I'll do a layup, that's about it, right? But like these these boys, I could tell that this was their life. Like this was like something they they ate, breathed, slept, like all year round, all they thought about was basketball. And at some point going into high school, my mom was like, you should try out for the high school team. And I, and again, I went to the first day of tryouts. The women who I was practicing with were the same way. Basketball was their thing, like it was their dream. And I just kind of was like, I'm not interested. I don't want to play because you're not going to cuss me out because I missed something or, you know what I mean? Like, and, and I joke, but I, but I respect that. I respect that they were very passionate about their, about their skills. Oh my gosh, trouble don't last always. I respect that they were very passionate about the game of, of the sport of basketball. I, I, I respect that because they went all in for what they believed in, right? Me, I didn't. Like, I was just kind of like, I'm here because they told me to be here. I'm here because I'm tall. Um, I'm here because Miss Ball, the coach, like, she saw me at a practice and was like, "You, I need you on my team. And I realized that if I had opted in to play basketball for Largo High School, I would have been playing basketball for four years. And that just sounded miserable to me. Miserable. Because I don't like basketball that much. Like, it's not that fun to me. So I left basketball. I went to go swim. I promise we're getting to a point here. <laughs> we're getting to a point. But I left basketball and I joined the swim team. My mother was livid. My mother was so upset with me. Um, she was so upset because we had spent, at this point in her mind, all these years, you know, from eight years old to at this point, 14 years old playing basketball. And so she didn't understand why I didn't just keep with it. Like she was like, are you afraid? Is that why you left? And I'm like, no, that's not really it. Like I'm not yeah, I'm nervous, but I'm not afraid. I'm just, I'm just not passionate about this. Like these people, because what they don't show you about playing sports, from my, from my athletes out there, you know, like there's not just the, you show up to the game and you play. You got practice three times a week, if not more, and on the weekends, and two times a week you have games. And then you have conditioning, you have weightlifting, you have all this extra stuff that goes into stuff that you have to do. And I counted the cost and I said, I'm not interested. I don't want to. I don't want to be around these women who are super passionate about basketball, who can out talk me about basketball, who I will have nothing like, I'm sure we'll have, we would have something in common because I share classes with some of these women, but I wasn't passionate enough to stay in basketball. So I left and they're like, oh, it's wasted talent. You're so tall, like whatever. And I went to swimming and I think I excelled in Largo High School standards. I excelled, uh, not, you know, uh, what is it called? Countywide, but Largo High School, I was pretty good because I was a swimmer. My dad's in the Navy, like he taught me how to swim. And so I could swim and I'm like, okay, this is fun. This is therapeutic for me. Like, and even in the swim team, it wasn't that serious. Nobody was like, I'm trying to go to the Olympics. <laughs> you know, it's just like, I just want something to do in the wintertime, you know, and to keep me fit for the other sports that I'm going to play, like softball or tennis, like things like that. So anyway, um, in that moment, I realized it was okay to opt out of something because I wasn't passionate about it, right? But then I realized also that the things that I was passionate about was always there, like, with dance, right? So I played tennis. And so 
Shout out to Largo High School tennis team. We play tennis. There's a certain kind of dance. There's a certain kind of rhythm with tennis. Like it's when you listen to a tennis match, it's it's rhythmic. Like it's until someone loses, you know, the point. It's a it's a back and forth. You know, you're moving your body from one side to the other. You're running up. You're slowing back. You know what I'm saying? Like you're moving your body in a way that's kind of like dancing, just like basketball, right? In basketball, there is a certain elegance with shooting the hoop and like doing a layup or whatever. You know. Anyway, doing a layup or whatever, or you know, running down the court, getting getting your legs straight, your your body together, your body in alignment to be able to make that shot. And again, I'm using very simple phrasing because I don't I don't know that much about basketball. I just know that I played it. Um, Barbara says, "Heck, at least you got out there." I was so embarrassed about being toothpick skinny. I was too ashamed to get on the court. No, Barbara. No. It's okay. That's all right. We can still play today, right? Like we can still play. Um, yeah, there, there is something though about, about um, being skinny, especially like when people like weightlift and stuff like that and you see your body compared to theirs, it's like, ooh, like y'all are like serious out here. Y'all are strong. Um, but yeah, no worries, Barbara. <laughs> but yeah, we would play tennis and there was a dance to it. And there was something like musical about playing tennis. Um, I also played volleyball, same thing. Like volleyball, one, two, three, hit. One, two, three, hit. Moving your body. Like the, the, art, the art of playing the sport of volleyball. Like volleyball was my favorite, favorite sport in high school. And um, just like, and I excelled in that because I was so passionate about it, right? And so I'm saying all this to say, I feel like even though I didn't pursue the gift of dance necessarily, I still feel like those gifts came in handy later on in life. You have to have some sort of coordination to play any kind of like sport, some hand-eye coordination. You have to have some body coordination. You have to know like how to work in space with other people, right? You have to like learn. It's, it's really like a dance. It's really about even when you're dancing with somebody, following somebody when they're dancing, right? When I would play volleyball, my position was a setter for the most part. And um, like, I would have to communicate to my other players, like, hey, I got it, I got it, it's mine. You know, I got it, I'm here. Set it up in a way so that they can reach it and spike it or whatever they plan to do with the ball after that, right? But it is a dance. And so as I'm sitting here as a 31 year old, I realized that there were so many dreams that I feel like I gave up on or I just determined that they weren't important to pursue or that there was no future for it. There was no future for it for me, right? And then I realized, like as I'm talking to you guys, talking about dance, and it's crazy because I wasn't even expecting to go here, but as I'm talking about dance, I thought I had missed my opportunity. If I cry, it's okay. I thought I had missed my opportunity to be a dancer. And I look at my body now and I'm like, this is not a dancer's body. You know what I'm saying? Like when you when you look at people who are in Juilliard or, um, uh-oh. Yeah, when you look at people who are, um, in Juilliard or who are like studying dance in college. When I was in college, I enviously looked on at, at these people. It says my connection is poor. So let me know if I'm like falling in and out and I'll fix it or whatever. But anyway, um, these people who would major in dance, like I would be envious of them because I'm like, dang, had I just stuck with dance when I was seven years old or 10, however I was, if I just stuck with dance, I would have been able to dance with them. I would have been able to be as good as they are, right? I would have been able to get there. And like, now it's too late for me because they say if you don't pursue dance by the time you're, what, like 15 or something? And I think it's because like women's body changes. If you don't pursue dance by a certain age, you're never gonna be like this, this awesome dancer, you know? And so I was like, well, I'm 20 or I'm 21. And it's like, dance is over for me. I can't be a dancer anymore. Even though I love dancing, I love being able to express 
my I love being able to express my feelings through my body. And um, what I'm realizing now, and I feel like everybody kind of experiences this, even if you gave up on a dream years ago, you can still pursue that dream in your everyday and today, right? Like you can still, you still see the signs of you, what am I trying to say? You still see the signs of your dream in your everyday lives. Like in your everyday life, the stuff that you actually love will come up, right? So if personally, oh baby, first of all, I'm sweating. It's hot in here. <laughs> this light is hot. But um, he says, if it's any consolation, I think you're a great dancer. Thank you. I don't know if I'm a great dancer, but I have fun when I dance. I don't be, I, I don't be caring about how anybody looks at me when I'm dancing now, but um. Oh, yay. I'm glad you enjoy it. I'm glad you enjoy it. Um, but it, but it, I feel like it's true. Like your passions don't leave you. Your interests don't leave you for a reason. And even if you don't pursue it in the way that you think you should pursue it, like maybe you think you missed your chance or your opportunity. I feel like it will come back again because it's something that's in you. It's something that's in your heart. It's something that's in your soul. It's something that's inherent. You know what I mean? Like before someone told you that you suck at this, before someone told you you would never, you would never attain what you think success is in that thing, you know, you're going for it. You're a kid. Look at babies dancing. Like they go for it. They, they feel the rhythm. No one's teaching them. You got to put your left foot here and your right foot there or whatever, you know, like they're just like, no, this, this music feels good. Right. Even people at the club who be dancing and you'd be like, Ooh, okay, get it. You know, they still feel that music, that passion is still there. And so it comes up in different ways, but it, it never disappears and never leaves you. And so I'm saying all that to say, that I feel like the dreams that we have, the dreams we have, I feel like we should start showing them some sunlight because I feel like there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of shame in the stuff that we never pursue. There's a lot of shame that the world puts on us. Like, oh, you've aged out of this. You've, you're, you're unable, you're incapable now to pursue this thing. You're, you're, um, your body's not right. Um, your mind is not right. Like if you don't learn a language by the time you're whatever age, you're not gonna be fluent in it. It's like. This is a lie. This is a lie. Like it's been proven that brains can learn anything at any age. Like maybe it might be more difficult because we're more set in our ways the older we get, but it's still possible. It still can happen. And so I feel like in this time in life, I'm getting to the point where I'm just kind of like, screw it. I'm going to go for everything I want to do. I'm going to do all the things that I want to do. Like I'm going to give it a try. And maybe if I want to be a dancer, maybe that doesn't mean that I have to be in the ballet. Cause honestly, I don't want to be in the ballet. I see the work that it takes. My head goes off to ballet dancers. Okay. I see the work it takes to be a ballerina, to be like a dancer, dancer, like to be trained, like to like, and I'm not interested in that. <laughs> I'm not interested in having bloody toenails and, you know, and muscle spasms and all this stuff. And so I realized maybe my not going into dance was actually God protecting me, right? Like maybe that was, Maybe, who knows? Maybe I would have loved it, right? But maybe it's also like God is like, actually, you're not really that interested in, in being in dance. Who knows? Like, maybe if I join dance and I still, I tell y'all now, like, being in this new body now that's a little heavier than it once was um, is, is something that I'm getting used to. And so for someone who's prone to be self, uh, self-critical, I wonder if, like, I did go into dance and my body was changing, if I wouldn't develop some sort of you know, problem with like trying to adjust my weight. Like who knows, right? Who, I have no idea. Like if I would have pursued those things, maybe it was God protecting me from, you know, being even more critical of myself because 
for a black dancer, like in those spaces to be a ballerina and all this other stuff, like that's a whole other conversation. I had a, I had a roommate in college who was a black dancer at, at a um, majority white school. And she was telling me all the time how they would tell her like, you're too fat, your body's not right for this. And she's, first of all, like, okay, anyway, they would tell her she was too fat. They would tell her that like, you know, her style of dance was too sexual and too sensual just because she was curvy, right? And so she struggled with this the entire time she was there because she didn't fit like the white stereotypical body for a dancer at Towson University. I didn't mean to shout out the university, but whatever. It was at Towson and um, she struggled with that. Maybe she's built for that. Maybe I'm not, right? Um, and so I'm looking at all these dreams I wrote down on a post-it. And I'm sure there's more to this, but um, like the dreams that I had, maybe I'll just do this. We can start drawing now. But the dreams that I had, I feel like they kind of always like stayed with me. Um, I don't feel like they ever like really went anywhere. Of course it's not open. <laughs> but I don't feel like it ever really went anywhere. I feel like if anything, me failing at certain things, we're gonna use this again because it's fun. <laughs> me failing at certain things, I feel like was protection. Like I feel like it was leading me to do the things that I'm doing now. Excuse the noise, you might hear something. Okay. So the first thing that I dreamed of becoming as a child, and let me know, like I wanna know, I'm, I really do wanna know, what do, you got, what do you guys wanna be when you grow up? Like, what did you want to be when you grew up? And even today, like, who do you wanna be when you get older? This is another thing I'll say. Even though we get older, doesn't, and even though we grow up, doesn't mean we have to throw away our dreams. Like I know people think starting midlife, I'm not in midlife right now, but like people starting later in life with things, like there's a less chance they can be successful or whatever. But if it matters to you enough, you're still gonna go for that thing. You're still gonna do it because you're passionate about it. Um, no worry, Barb's. I, I was always fat and kicking A and taking names. I know that's right. I know that's right. Um, yes. And Barbara says, thanks. Um, Marquis says, in sports, to be clear, wouldn't let them take me off the court or field. Okay. Yes. It's so, like, you would be like, no. See, that's, that's bold. That's bold to me. I'd be like, oh, well, let me get my things. I'm, I'm gonna go. <laughs> like, it was never like that, like, important to me to stick around, but no, go for it, Marquita. Yes. Okay. So yes, yeah, so what I was going to say is even though you get older, it does not mean that you have to throw away your dreams. Like I, I feel like people are getting to the, I feel like huh, society is so much, is so obsessed with age that it's like, you know, the, the norm has become, or they'll tell you that the norm has become that if you're, if you're 25, you have to, you have to be successful, whatever that means by their standards. And I, and I don't think that's true. Like Maybe again, the first one I'll write is I want it to be. <laughs> I'm not gonna do no lines. I want it to be a dancer. And again, y'all gonna get these stick figures. What is that? But I want it to be a dancer. Give yourself a little hair. Um, and again, does that mean like I'll never dance ever again? First of all, I got no hair, but that's okay. No, that means like maybe dancing can be in my room or maybe dancing could be with my husband as my husband mentioned before. Like when we go out dancing, like maybe that's enough. You know what I'm saying? Maybe I don't need to be, you know, ballerina, but I do wanna take dancing classes, right? Like I can still pursue dance in my own way that's not necessarily professional, 
but just for fun. And that's okay too. If it's an interest or a hobby, that's totally fine. Um, so my next dream was a singer songwriter. <laughs> I'm gonna just do la la la. I wanted to be a singer songwriter and I, I think I am. And again, I don't, I don't look like a singer songwriter that, that is successful by again, the world standards. Like, I, you know, I'm not touring. I mean, I, don't, I was going to say like touring, but it's COVID. But at the same time, I'm not like charting. I'm not on like billboard, billboards, hundred, you know, songs. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing a lot of stuff that people think that success looks like. But I think me giving my music a chance, even still, like even in my room or in the basement of my mom's house or in my bedroom, like practicing and singing guitar, me honoring those dreams and those gifts is still healing to me. It still feels good. And, and some people actually enjoy the music. You know what I mean? Like some people are like, I actually really like that song. And, um, and that's okay. Um, another one that I wanted to be, or something else I wanted to be, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to be, I went to school to learn ASL because I wanted to teach. I wanted to teach ASL. At Largo High School, they didn't have ASL, but they had it at Roosevelt, side, side eye. But they had it at Roosevelt and, um, you know, Mr. Murphy, our um, choir director, he always told us, whatever you do, you bring it back to PG County. You bring it back to your community. You go to school to come back and bring it back to your community. So I really went to school like thinking, oh, I'm gonna learn ASL. I'm gonna learn how to teach it so that way we can actually have it in Largo High School and in just PG County all around because ASL, I feel like there is English, Spanish, and I feel like ASL should be like the same, like, you know, it should be learned with the same, um, it's important for people to know ASL, like just to be able to communicate with deaf folk, like maybe not to be an interpreter, but just to be able to communicate and to, um, bring them into our world because they're shut out so often. Like even when I was watching the um, inauguration, there was no interpreter on the stage. There was the camera was on um, the people being sworn in and speaking, and they had you know the text on the bottom, right? But sometimes the texts aren't right. Sometimes the wording is wrong. It's really late. It's really delayed. You don't catch like the nuances um, in people's um, talking or in their speeches or the poetry or whatever it is, right? And ASL is very visual language. And so a lot of deaf folk missed out on like, you know, on MSNBC or, you know, Fox News or whatever on these things that are happening. They would have to either catch it at a different time, like after it's already happened, somebody translate it. And so to me, it's like the more people become aware of their privilege, you know what I'm saying? And, and the access they have to language, um, the better off people will be as a, as a community, not just like deaf folk, but just people in general. And so I thought that I would, I would teach that. And so... Um, come to find out though, you can't teach ASL. Well, you can, but it's frowned on by the deaf community to teach ASL if you're not deaf. And so I wanted to honor them and I'm like, okay, well, I can't teach ASL anymore. So I'm just going to be, become an interpreter. And that's the route that I took. Um, but even, even though I'm not teaching, you know, in a classroom setting, I feel like, I feel like there are still some teaching personality traits that I have. Um, there's some, there's some personality traits that I have, I think, with like giving instruction. Um, and also, even if it's not, even if it doesn't look like me at a chalkboard, right? Let me draw myself at a chalkboard. But even if it doesn't look like me at a chalkboard, maybe it's just me being in, in a community that people feel safe enough to ask questions or safe enough to be vulnerable enough to say, I don't know how to do this or can you help me with this? You know what I'm saying? Like maybe that, maybe that's why I wanted to be a teacher. 
or maybe that's you know that's me teaching that's that's chalk y'all that's chalk <laughs> so let me read some of y'all answers so jay calloway pinkney says you wanted to you wanted to be a writer a cartoon character's voice i'm trying oh you want to be that now okay you want to be a writer and a cartoon character's voice trying to think of earlier dreams that's really cool it okay so i'm just gonna say this my husband whatever so he showed me some home videos that he had and um you you know when you're kids like you would play with like little action figures they give them voices and stuff and he was voicing stuff like and he's a voiceover um he's a voice actor now like that's what he does professionally and even as a kid he's giving voices to these dolls like we all kind of did it but he would record himself on um on the camera of him playing with these with these action figures <laughs> he said oh no oh yes okay he would play with these with these dolls and these action figures and give them voices and he would play around with like like this is a you know, a female character, I'm going to give this this high voice. And this is like this, this is the um, villain and whatever, right? So like, even as as a kid, you were giving voice to cartoon characters, you were doing that thing. Um, but yes, that's I think I think that's really cool. Marcus says, I want to be a businessman and a farmer when I grow up. Yes. Okay, that's really cool. I, I love that. Um, and one thing I'll say about like naming your dreams, I feel like, again, it takes the shame out of them. Like, I feel like for a long time, it's, I've been I've been afraid to admit, like, I want to be this when I grow up. And and by grow up, I mean whenever I get there, right? I could be 95 and just learning how to dance. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's okay. But, like, I really feel like we believe that at 18, or we've been conditioned to believe that at 18, or I guess at 22, whenever you graduate college, um, that you should know what you want to do with the rest of your life. And that's the one thing that you're going to do for the rest of your life. And I don't think that's fair. I don't think that's true. Like, I... I feel like even as someone who's multi-passionate, meaning like, first of all, I feel like we all are. We have multi-passions. We have multiple passions. We have multiple interests and hobbies and things like that. Doing one thing for the rest of my life, that sounds like hell. That sounds like torture. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, I want to live multiple lives. I want to do multiple things. And I want to give myself a chance to follow those interests and those hobbies, even if it's just, again, just doing it in my kitchen and not building a business out of it. But I love that. You want to be a businessman and a farmer. I love that. Um, Nicole, I enjoy your music. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Barbara says, wouldn't mind learning how to play chess. Me neither. Um, wanted to wanted to when I was younger. And I got my glasses sitting right here and I'm like struggling. Okay. Wanted to when I was younger. Also want to rent an RV one day. Yes, inspired by Fox and Miles. <laughs> and want to be the best grandma. That's beautiful. I love that. I love that. But yes, yes, absolutely do it. Do it. Um, when I was younger, I got a card with sign language on it. Oh, yay. That's awesome. Later found out my daughter learned it. My granddaughter, my granddaughter too, and she's teaching it to her little brother. I love that. Tell him to keep it up because it's, it's really um, it's really important. I think it's really important. Um, but yes. Um, this looks like a good soundtrack for my shower. <laughs> okay. <that's, laughs> I'm, I'm glad you could take it in the shower with you. Um, yeah, so I think it's important that we do name our, um, let me stop this banner from going. I do think it's important that we name our dreams, even to ourselves, like write it down on paper, like make it real, like, and be honest with yourself. What do you really want to do? What do you really want to do? And so another one that I had and keep, keep the dreams coming guys. I love them. And I want to talk about them and so, talking about other people's dreams. It makes me so like energized and like excited. 
Um, Cause I'm like, let's do it right now. Let's get the stuff, let's get the um, tools and stuff like that and let's get it done, <laughs> you know? Um, but yes, I also wanted to be, again, shout out. Nope, it's okay y'all, it's y'all. A writer. That was my first dream when I was a kid. Like I read books. I was, I didn't have, my little brother was born when I was seven. So beyond that, like it was just me by myself and my parents. And so books, notebooks, like writing was my thing. I always wrote and I still, everywhere I go, I carry a notebook with me. I wanted to be a poet. I wanted to be a fiction writer and nonfiction. Um, I'll get to that in a second. Um, but yeah, mostly fiction when I was little. I wanted to write stories. And most of my stories were about my imaginary friends or my imaginary siblings. I wanted a huge family. And so because I didn't have that, I, well, you know, I had a huge family. Like my, my mom is one of nine. My, my father is one of five. So I had a big family, but we lived in Maryland. Everybody else lived either in Savannah or Florida or in Philadelphia. And so really it was just like me by myself. And I was a weirdo kid. And so I didn't really have a lot of friends. So I would just make up imaginary, imaginary friends and we would have a great time. And so me having my imaginary friends, that was my, that was the beginning of my storytelling. And so again, like with stuff with you, was there stuff that you did as a kid where it's like, oh, actually I was always writing songs or actually I, I did always want it to be, you know, I don't know, a writer or whatever it is for you. Nicole said, write the vision and make it clear. Yes, make it clear and be brave and be honest, right? Like I think sometimes I struggle with writing down stuff based on where I am right now versus where I want to be. Cause right now it's like, girl, like you got debt. <laughs> you know what I mean? There are a lot of things that you haven't done and that you don't have experience in. And so therefore um, you can't do it. But really I feel like we can all do anything that we want to do. You know, every day is an opportunity and that sounds cheesy, but it is, it's a new mercy, right? It's a new opportunity to start over, to do something over again, to like literally wipe the slate, like new mercy, the slate is clean. And really, honestly, you don't have to wait till the morning. In the at twelve o'clock, at twelve o five, after lunch, you can say, you know what, I'm not doing this no more. <laughs> I'm not going to this job no more. I'm not going to this class no more. I told y'all last week I I left my I left school, um, just because it just wasn't. It's not what I want to spend my energy and time doing. I counted the cost a little too late, but like, I counted the cost, and I'm like, you know, I would rather give the energy that I'm giving and the attention to like actually growing the art that I actually want to do. And so maybe ASL is just a hobby right now. My, my husband was like, it's okay to have interests. Like you don't have to pursue everything as a career just because it's an interest. You can really just have interests, hobbies, and then certain things that you pursue for money. You know what I mean? So anyway, just that little nugget for you guys. Okay, so the next thing is, so this is starting now. So these are like old dreams that I have had now the dreams that I kind of had um, for a while, but I'm like, uh, I actually wanna be a tiny, a tiny home community builder. I don't know what you would call that. I have no idea, but my heart has always been, my heart has always been broken for people who are unsheltered, people who don't have, people say like homeless, like, so working in DC, um, especially like in Chinatown, that's where I used to work like at Lucky Strike. And so I would go to work and there would be hungry people, like people without homes, I'd just be, just be there every day. And people would walk past these people like they weren't people. Like they would walk past them like they don't have lives, they don't have stories, they don't have passions and goals and dreams and, and family and friends. Like they would walk past these people like they didn't matter. 
And to me, again, housing should be a right. I don't understand. I don't understand. I don't understand how we're still arguing about whether or not people deserve homes or not. And so I'm like, when I was younger in, in college, I wanted to start a nonprofit for um, for the unsheltered or for the homeless and the hungry. And then you know, I'm just like, but there are so many other there are so many other um, nonprofits. And not saying that there are enough because there aren't. There can always be more, right? But I really felt like I wanted to do something more. And so we would do like these things, like from one of the events for the Fulwell Project that I was doing, and I still kind of am doing, we went out there and we went to go feed people. And it wasn't necessarily about just like feeding people. Like, well, first of all, yes, it is about feeding people because people are hungry. And um, again, food should be a right too. And so we were feeding them. And a lot of a lot of them just wanted to be seen. Like, and I feel like, and I'm not saying this, to be like, oh, but but I feel like a lot of people go out there and it's like, oh, look at this photo op. Look at me doing this great, amazing thing, right? And so while we're out there, some people didn't take any food because they're like, nah, I've seen people like you. I don't trust you. And I can't even blame them. I can't blame them because people have gone out there in their communities, you know, trying to look the part. But really, they don't care about them. They don't care to ask them if, you know, how they're doing. <laughs> they don't care to ask them, like, what do you really need? Like beyond food, how can we help you? Um, to become, you know, more established or just to get in shelter. Because these, these shelters, like, even though they exist in the city, they're not the best. Like, there are cases of rape, of, um, of theft, um, of assault. Like, there are a lot of stuff that goes on because some of these people have other issues that aren't being dealt with. And so if you handle the housing problem, then you can start working on the other problem. If you handle the food problem, then you can start working on the other problem. But beyond that, um, Learning about, because we RV'd and we lived tiny for a little bit, and also I do want to go back to the tiny life uh, with, with my community, um, I realized that housing could be way more affordable if people actually did the work to house people. Nobody's saying somebody has to have a luxurious mansion, right? But if everybody had like a tiny home that was affordable, people would be able to be taken care of. And some people do choose to be homeless by choice. That is true. And so let them let them do them. But for some of them, they really, they, they are unsheltered. So they can't find a job. They don't have an address. They don't have an ID. They don't have the things that they need. They can't, they can't apply for these jobs because where are they going to send the stuff? If you go into a thing, they're already going to judge you into an interview and be like, oh, you smell like yesterday. We can't hire you. Like, it's just, it's so much stuff that goes into it. And it's layered. And so if we could handle having a place for someone to, to stay warm, to bathe. When I was working at a hospital, and again, after this, I'll get off the off the train, but I was working at a hospital and so many people would come into the emergency room, not because anything was wrong, but because they just wanted to be warm and it's cold outside. And so my supervisors, ugh, my supervisors would want me like to tell them that they couldn't stay in here anymore. I didn't do that. I'm not doing that. Like they can stay here. They're not bothering me. You know what I'm saying? Like they can stay here as long as they want to. So they would they would come in with these fake ailments. Like, yeah, I'm having some abdom abdominal pain. They weren't really having any pain. They just wanted to be um, taken back so that they can stay warm to go back outside. It was, it's really sad. Um, but yes, Nicole says, I wanted to be a teacher, a cosmetologist and a wise old lady. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I love that. Um, I always love those beautiful old ladies that people wanted to be around and had good advice. Yes, yes. And with God's grace, you're going to get there, okay? Like, that. that is awesome. I, I do I do feel like old wise ladies and old um, old wise people, I feel like they are like the pillar of our communities, for sure. They got all the knowledge. They got all the how-tos and, and all that stuff. Masika says, OMG, me too. I would love to build a community of tiny homes. Yes, yes. Same. And I, I think one of the... 
I'm like, how do I get the capital for this, right? Like, and I'm sure with like grant writing and all this other stuff, maybe that's possible. But it, it, to me, it's like, people have the money to do this, right? People, people are wealthy today, right now. And I'm sure that some people are doing it, but like, I don't understand how people are so wealthy. And it's like, just, just give some money so people can be housed and like have food. And anyway, and the, and the quality of food is also important too. That's whole the conversation. Masika says, I can't remember my dreams as a child, but currently I feel like I want to give back by gardening in my backyard and to send the excess food I grow to the food banks. OMG, Masika, can we be friends? Please, please can we be friends? Because literally with the idea of, um, with the idea of a tiny, a tiny community, like I do, so as one of my friends, Marcus here was talking about being a farmer, that's something I'm interested in too. And it's like, even for like the full project, I thought about like this summer, maybe taking the RV and like doing like a farmer's market thing, even though I don't really have a place to get the food from yet. I'm still trying to do research on that. But I really want to create a community center where people can come and just get good food, like just get quality, fresh food. Because why is that so hard to get? I don't understand. I don't get it. I think that's beautiful. That's wonderful. That's beautiful. Um, Winged Wolf 500 says, a lawyer, because judge, cause judge Judy, true, and a surgeon because of surgery shows on health channel. Oh, I'm stuttering. On health channel. That's really cool. That's cool. Yeah, Judge Judy does make it does make it look good. Okay. Um, yeah, and the world could always use more lawyers that are actually like helpful. You know what I mean? And I I feel like every job is helpful, but it gets dangerous when people start doing it for the money, like solely for the money. That gets a little. It's like oh. Do you really care about justice or do you care about that check? You know what I mean? And again, if you care about that check, uh, I guess that's you. So I'm just gonna draw a little tiny home community. I don't know, little squares. <laughs> little, a little tiny home community like in nature somewhere or like maybe even in like uh, the suburbs or even in the city. You know what I mean? Instead of building all those like, what is it? Luxury, luxury apartments. Maybe we can just build houses for people who actually need it, but that would be too much like right, and that would mean somebody have to come up off their money. Um. Yay. So yeah, a little tiny house community. I've just been watching a lot of videos about that today too. Just like, I think in Madison, Wisconsin, I think they have a, a tiny home community that this guy built for the people there, and so, they brought it to the community and was like, yeah, we should build this tiny home community. And of course, the first things people are saying, I don't want crime in my city. I don't want there to be needles and like drug, you know, dealers in my neighborhood. And so even by bringing up those issues, like you're already assuming that, you know, these people's story, they got them. Listen, okay. If COVID-19 has not taught anybody anything else, everybody is real close. Like, is, is that close? That can happen to anybody, like losing your home, losing anything. I mean, technically you shouldn't because... You know, you should be protected. But at the same time, like, no one's above going homeless for whatever reason. Like, like literally the, the government could come and just take your house. <laughs> like, it's okay for them to just come and take your house. Anybody can become homeless. Anyone. When me and my husband were RVing, we stayed in this rest stop for a month. Like, quite literally, we were, I guess you could, we had an RV, so we had a home. And we had family to go to, so we weren't necessarily homeless. But we were homeless in that we couldn't afford to stay anywhere else. So we stayed in a, in a um, rest stop in Fort Myers, Florida. 
And these families, we would see them every day, would leave and come back every night just to sleep in their car. Like, and that was the only place that people weren't being bothered. And so it's, to me, it's like, well, what if we actually gave these places, some, these people some place to stay, even if it's just hookup with hookups for their cars or their RVs, you know what I'm saying? Or a bathroom where they can change and like take a shower in, like just the small stuff. Like people, a lot of people don't want much. They just want to, to be valued and to be taken care of. And I don't understand why that's so hard. Barbara says, recently at McDonald's, a man walked up to my car and said he was hungry. I said, okay, asked what did he want? He said a Sprite. So, so I brought, so I bought it, found him, but then he said he didn't want it. I was pissed. Yeah, there are, <laughs> I've had some experiences like that too. Like it could be hit or miss for sure. Um, for sure. Um, Shawnee sorry. Tell me if I'm saying that wrong. I'm sorry. I wanted to be a writer, photographer, and filmmaker. Ooh, always had a camera in my hand and a storyteller. I love that. I love it. I think that's beautiful. But yes, tell me if I'm saying your name right or wrong, because I want to, I like getting people's names right. But yes, like, again, you were a photographer. You know what I'm saying? Like, you said you wanted to be a photographer, right? And it's like, literally, the only thing stopping you from being a photographer is taking pictures. You know what I mean? Like, that's that's literally the only thing that's, you don't, okay. I know we're waiting for someone to give us a thumbs up to be like, you're a photographer now, or like maybe to charge for it. But if you are always documenting, if you are, if you are always like talking to people and getting their stories, and if photography is a way of storytelling. And so if you're taking photos and you are a photographer, then you are a storyteller. You don't have to, you don't have to want to be it. You are it. You know what I'm saying? Just, you know, just own that, own that title. Okay. Hold on one second. You said it's pronounced like Hennessy. So, Shinnessy? Tell me if I'm if I'm right or wrong. I'm sorry. I'm trying. Shinnessy. But yes, you are. You are a you are a photographer, and because you are a photographer, you are a storyteller. Masika said, "So true." Told my husband we need to pay off his SUV because you don't know what can happen, girl. Okay. At least us and the kids have something. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's very true. Um. Crunk, crunk monkey. A lot of rest areas and public libraries were closed during the pandemic. That's true. That is true. That is true, which is really unfortunate. And again, I feel like this pandemic, it didn't create, like it did create problems, right? But if anything, it just showed us the ugliness of this country. It showed us our weak spots. It showed us like, oh snap, people can hardly afford rent. People are like a paycheck away from being pushed out of their houses. People don't have food. People, you know what I'm saying? Like, the um the food banks were starting to become like overwhelmed with people coming who used to serve at these food banks and now they need food like oh poverty is an issue here in this country and and though i am sad that covid that it took covid for that to happen um i'm not glad i like that people are really starting to see the issues of this country and my only hope is that when and if things you know come to a new normal that people wouldn't forget about the issues that still are in this country and so it takes people like like y'all the people here who have these dreams like to really make something of it like you as a storyteller you know what i'm saying like that you could document things that that matter to you and bring that information to people who would never before this see it um i think about a photographer i forget his name i'm sorry his name, he's a baltimore photographer and during um the protests in baltimore his, oh my gosh, Brian? No, 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 no. I'll think of it at some point when I'm not even here. But he took pictures um, in Baltimore of the protests that were happening down there. 
and really, and his picture made the front of Time magazine. And so he's really showing what it looked like down on the, like on the ground, you know, and because he belonged to that community, like he was able to get like the ins and outs and the true story behind what was happening. Because if you remember, it was being like, oh, you know, they're just, they're tearing up our city and they're, you know, they were, they were labeled as like villains and hooligans and all this other stuff when really he was able to tell the true story of what was happening in Baltimore. And so stuff like that is really important. Um, I feel like for like the dreams that are inside of you are really important. All of you, they're important to move things along, to improve things. Like they're not, they're not frivolous. They're not silly. It's really embedded in you. It's given to you for a reason. And so do the thing, you know what I mean? Do the thing, even if it's just, you know, even if it's not as serious as you, you know, taking pictures at protests, you taking pictures at like events with your family and your friends, you're preserving those memories for generations to come. And that's a huge deal. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. So yeah, tiny home builder. I put farmer and I also put herbalist. Like I would love, I don't know, herbs. <laughs> I would love um, to learn about herbs. I'm actually like reading about it now and trying to like, you know, do something with it eventually. And I'm sure that come, that'll come with like training or something else or even like an apprenticeship or something. But um, yeah. And I know it's getting close to nine. So we're gonna wrap this up. But um, another thing, I wanted to be a candle maker. And this is something that I'm interested in, right? So it's really important for me to like make the delineation between like a career and like hobbies and interests. And so maybe these things can bring in income, but they're not something that I'm trying to pursue um, professionally necessarily right now. And I think it's important that we, oh, that was an ugly flame. I think it's important that we really name the things that we're interested in versus like what we want to pursue. Um, that's a candle, y'all. What we want to pursue as uh, careers, because if we're not careful, we will kill our hobbies. We will kill our interests. We will kill the things that God just gave us to us to do for fun. Like sometimes the point is not to make money from it. Sometimes it's just to have fun with it or give it away to somebody else. You know what I'm saying? Like, and that's okay. Like I know society will be like, no, you gotta, you gotta make this a business. You gotta file an LLC and da da da. And I get it because we're all trying to make money some way. We're all trying to get like financial freedom and all that good stuff. But really assess like, is this a hobby or is this something that like I want to make into a career? Because then that, then you gotta deal with like logistics and all this other stuff. So. Oh, thank you for your patience. Okay, Shaughnessy. Okay, um, you good. I'm so sorry. I am so, so sorry. But hey, I try to live by the phrase, the art, the artist creates art, yes. If, you're, if you write, you're a writer. Exactly. Nobody needs to validate it for you. You decide, it, you decide if you want to make money off of it. Exactly. I totally agree. I totally agree. Barbara says, my sister and I talked about what we do if we won a lotto. That's a really good question. We spoke about purchasing land for RVs with, with electric H2O, a dump site with hookups, a dream. Follow that. Follow that dream. Because I, I, that's a really good question to ask yourself. What would you do if money wasn't a problem, right? If, I mean, if money, if your needs were taken care of forever, what would you do, right? And maybe those things, oh, thank you, Marcus. Thank you. Devin Allen. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The photographer that I was talking about in Baltimore, his name was Devin Allen, um, whose picture was on the front of Time Magazine. Thank you. Um, but yes, like the things that you would pursue, like if money wasn't an issue, that those things usually will sustain you longer because like you actually have a real interest in it. Like instead of saying, oh, what, what, is, a, 
what is a business venture I can pick up now, right? The passion's not going to be there. The heart's not going to be there. And again, no, you should make every hobby into a business. But um, I really feel like it's important to find something that you're actually halfway, halfway interested in it anyway, that you would have done it for free. You know what I'm saying? And then try to find a way either to monetize it or again, if money's not a problem for you, then just like, or if you just want to keep it a hobby and keep it sacred, then just do the, do the thing. You know what I'm saying? Do the thing. Marquita says, entrepreneur and philanthropist. Yes, we need angel investors. We need, we need philanthropists for real. Um, money, money, money creates freedom. <laughs> it creates freedom. It creates time. What is it? What does the Bible say? Money answers all, all, all problems. Money answers all things. Like we can, we can, you know, vilify money all we want to. And money is not the problem. Again, it's the people with the money in their heart with that money and how they choose to use that money. That's the problem. Because again, if we all brought all of our gifts to the table, money, talents, interests, hobbies, skills if we brought all this up nobody would go without like if we all took care of each other nobody would nobody would lack anything and no i'm not saying that you know the wealthy have to bring you know money to the table because they don't have to bring money to the table clearly um but i do feel like i want to be wealthy one of the reasons why i want to be wealthy like marquita here like i want to make money so i can give money i want to make enough so i can give all the rest away and take care of other people's needs like because there's, there's no reason for me to hoard hoard it and if I'm in a community where everybody is is doing well, then yeah, if one of us falls, we can all do for them, right? Like, so why wouldn't I want to share my wealth so other people can do can do better with their things? You know what I'm saying? I won't draw the rest, but I'll tell you what else is on my list, you guys, because it's it's after nine now, and I want to respect your time. But on my list, I had candle maker, tea maker, photographer, and traveling storyteller. So. Again, as I mentioned, I am a photographer and I took a break from taking gigs because it wasn't bringing me joy. Like I can still do it like for my friends and stuff. I don't mind that. But like taking on new clients and stuff like that, I was like, oh, it's not really that, that much fun. What I love about photography though, again, is being able to see people how they really are, being able to show people how beautiful they are, right? And then also to tell a story, like just like you mentioned, um, Shaughnessy. Yes, I hope I said that. I hope I said that right. But just as you mentioned, like, yeah, like what was drawing me, I always had a camera with me too. I would take my camera to like family functions and family events. And I didn't know that you could make money from taking pictures. I had no idea back then. I had my little point and shoot camera. Um, you can ask my friends. I would take pictures of them all the time, like, and it would annoy them. Like it would get on their nerves. Um, but it was really, it was really, oh, yay, awesome. I'm glad, I'm glad. But it was really important for me to like, like, like not that they were passing away, right? But just to take a picture of this moment that I can keep forever because this moment is precious to me. These people are precious to me. Like these people are beautiful to me. Like seeing people interact and not posing and like smiling for the pictures, but taking the picture of a moment of my friends cackling and cracking up laughing and remembering what we were laughing at in that moment or maybe like 30 years from now, I won't remember, but I'll always remember that feeling of seeing them laugh. And so to me, that was more important than, you know what I'm saying, than making money. And so I feel like when I tried to monetize it, I was like, mm, I don't. <laughs> so here goes Marcus, always taking pictures while I'm eating. That's so true. <laughs> that is really true. I did always take pictures of him while he was eating. Um, yeah, that was kind of disrespectful. But I mean, I wasn't doing that just, you know, whatever. So I would take the pictures. And when I was trying to monetize those that, that as a business, I realized that the soul was missing from it. The soul was missing from my photos. The reason why I took it in the first place 
was to capture people in their real life. And so instead of becoming, you know, this person, oh, pose like this, sit like this, put your hand here, like, you know, your head here. What I want, what, what's really fulfilling to me is like, no, you all just act like I'm not here. Don't like, don't, um, don't look at me. You're at home by yourself, like with your, with your kids and your family and your sisters and brothers and your friends or whatever. You're, you're a significant other. Just act like I'm not here. And I want to take intimate pictures like and make them beautiful, but just capture you how you really are. And I feel like me trying to pose them and make them look like something they weren't was just like, this is, this is sucking the life out of it for me. You know, so it wasn't necessarily the problem. The problem wasn't them. It wasn't the photography itself. I just had to re, and I'm still rebranding that whole business, um, just refocusing on what's really important to me and what really matters to me because that's what's going to sustain me. I was burnt out otherwise. I didn't want to do any, I was tired of editing these pictures that all kind of look the same. Like, I don't want to see you as this polished version you think you have to be. I want to see you as the silly person that you are, the beautiful person that you are. I don't want to Photoshop your body. I want, I want to get all the rolls. I want to get all the freckles, all the scars, all that stuff. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that's what's important to me. Um, Barbara said, I took so many pics, my kids would run away <laughs> when they see me with the camera. Yeah. That's that's okay. They're the same way. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, it's like, how do I conspicuous? I can't, you know, you can't casually just like, oh, we're at dinner. Let me take out this camera and take a picture. Now we kind of can because of phones, right? Like I could just kind of be like, click, click, like real quick, acting like I'm texting and I just like end up taking a picture. But yeah, back in the day, it was it was very obvious you're trying to take pictures of people. And so when people know you're trying to take pictures, they act they act weird, which is nat which is natural because we're so used to having to be posed and to be polished and perfect. It's like, oh, now I feel awkward, right? But I don't want people to feel awkward when they take pictures with me. Shaughnessy says, I used to take pictures as a kid with those old Kodak throwaway cameras, the click. I know exactly what you're talking about. You had to unwrap and get the film printed at Walmart, yes. Didn't get my first real camera, a Nike, a Nikon, Nike, a Nikon DSLR until college. Yes, same, same. I didn't get my DSLR until college either. I got a Canon though. Um, but yeah, I remember those days too. Do you remember the joy of like, that's a whole other conversation for a whole different day, but just like the slow process it took, like taking the pictures, you didn't know like what it was gonna look like, the excitement of like, here's my film. And then like waiting hours and being like, oh my God, I can't wait to see my pictures. That was so much fun to me. Winged Wolf 500 says, taking pics and videos help capture the moment and memories of the time when it was taken. Exactly, exactly, exactly. That's why photographers are so important. People who are, you're basically a historian. Like that's what you are. Um, but yes. So again, as we're coming to a close, shout out to you guys for being here. Um, my point is just because you age, just because you grow up, it doesn't mean that you have to stop dreaming. It doesn't mean you have to start doing. It doesn't mean you have to stop doing new stuff. Like. It's a lie to believe that at 18, you have to have, and some people do, and great for them, right? But it's a lie to say that at 18, you have to figure out, you have to have your whole life figured out, or at 22, or 32, 52, 82, 92, 150, that like you have to stop dreaming, you have to stop becoming. When we're all in process, we're all learning, and I feel like, honestly, that's what keeps us young in the first place. Like being open to trying something new, being open, like literally, I'm not a neuroscientist, but I know that when you do new things, like it's been proven now, the brain does change, right? It's it, like, what is it, neuro, neuroplasticity? Neuro, neuroplasticity? Where like, um, anyway, so anyway, so like <laughs> the stuff that you do now 
doesn't have to be what you do in 10 years. It doesn't have to be what you do tomorrow. Like if you if you've been in the same job for 50 years, I'm not saying just jump out the window on this one, right? But if it's miserable, try a new dream. Try something else. Maybe while you're at your job, you know, nine to five. Maybe at nighttime you take up hobbies and try new things to get to get like a taste for what you actually like. Because do you know what you actually like? I, I didn't know, like, again, besides now, like that I'm giving my time space and time to do it. I feel like we just go through life and say, this is what I should do. This is what I should like. But we don't really give ourselves a chance to try things that we've never tried before, you know, for fear of failing or making it maybe because we feel like it's frivolous or dumb or stupid. My whole point is just because you got older doesn't mean you have to grow up. And there's a song again. Check it out. PJ Martin, Kid Again. Um, uh, his lyrics, I'm going back to all the dream dreams I once had before I lit all these things in my head. My eight-year-old self would be so disappointed because I, I started to doubt everything we said. Sometimes life gets hard, but you just don't know. You can still do all the things you dream, dreamed of before. You don't need to grow up. It's the beginning of the end. You just need to believe like a kid again. And I really feel like that song, like it makes me want to cry. Every time I hear it, I just want to cry because in a lot of ways, a lot of us have given up on our kid self. Like we, we feel like they're dumb or they're stupid or like, because somebody like, again, like that dance teacher I mentioned earlier in, in this live, the dance teacher that told me that I would never be successful. I would never be a dancer. Like, I would never do that thing. I gave up on my dreams and I, and I counted that dream as silly, right? And now as a 31 year old, I'm like, dang, I wish I did dance, right? And because I have, if I cry, it's okay. Because I have, you know, the ability to move my body, I will dance. I go to the, like whenever the world opens back up, I go to the club, I be jumping around from, from side to side in freedom, like looking silly, looking dumb because, because I wanna give that child that's inside of me a chance to be, to be um, affirmed, to be like, no, little girl, you aren't dumb to want to be a dancer. Like, no, like even even though that's what that homegirl said, the low, I don't even know her name. That That's why it's important how you talk to people. It matters. Like they might not forget your name, but they will never forget how you made them feel ever. And so that woman will always be burned in my memory because of what she said to me, what she did to me. And I'm just like, you know, the kid that's in me, I'm validating the child in me by dancing around, by, you know, hopping up and down, running up and down the street, whatever it is, you know, by painting and drawing, drawing little these things, right? You know, this isn't, this isn't like, this art isn't fancy, you know what I mean? Like it's stick figures. And you know, an artist and an art critic would be like, this is garbage, this is trash, right? But they, these stick figures, they represent me they represent this is how i drew when i was little like this is how i this is how i draw and get my ideas down on paper who says stick figures can't be good enough who says who says this can't be art you know what i mean like y'all know what this is kind of <laughs> you know like you know this might be a chalkboard or this is a book you feel me like it's not it's not that garbage and so i feel like by doing silly stuff like that by pursuing things that bring me joy by doing the stuff that seems silly or counterproductive or not like perfect like I'm reaffirming the child in me. And so I want you guys to affirm the child in you and be like, don't grow up. It's a trick. It's a trick. It's a trap. Growing up is a trap and it benefits capitalism. It benefits other people that want to have you down for you to give up on all the dreams that are inside your heart or interests or hobbies or whatever they are inside of you. And you to just like 
you know, tuck them away and never let them see any daylight and grow. Never to let them get any fresh air. Because if you if you do, then they will grow. And so then you're you're gonna be harder to control, harder to um, put down. You know, just pursue the thing, be a kid again. And what I love about kids is they don't care. They will get out there and be like, look at this thing I drew. Isn't this the best thing? <laughs> this is the best thing ever. They will say, listen to the song I just made up. They will, those memes are so funny when they're like, kids really be wasting your time. Be like, look at this. And they do like a little kick and be like, wasn't that amazing? And you're going to tell that kid, yes. Yes, that was amazing. And we should talk to ourselves the same way. Any like thing that you try, yes, it is amazing because you tried it. It's that simple. Neuroplasticity. Thank you, baby. Um, Shaughnessy says, wow, that's powerful. Oh, yay. I'm glad. Um, we really were our most curious and brave selves as children. Absolutely. Absolutely. As kids, we think we can do anything. We do. We do. Until the adults in our lives tell us otherwise. Um, we just have to unlearn and remember who we are. I agree. I agree. Like I, I've said before, you walk into a, um, it was a conversation I had with one of my other friends, Jordan. You walk into a classroom in like kindergarten, you ask the kids, hey, who's a great artist? Every hand will go up. Who's a great singer? Every hand will go up. Who can make me, I don't know, who can make me an, a paper plane, a paper airplane, right? Some kid, all the kids want to, I can do it. It's me, me, me. I can do it. They believe they can do anything. And then by like sixth grade, right? We've been programmed to believe, actually, I'm not a good artist because my art doesn't look like this person's. We're, we're, we're trained to compare ourselves to other people with grades, with like getting up there and being publicly embarrassed when a teacher tells you that you're wrong <laughs> on the um, on the projector, whatever it is, like you're right. Some adult told us, actually, you're not that great. You're not that good. And so we believe it. And so then we hide ourselves and we're like, dang, we don't want to feel that no more. So we don't do nothing else. Like we're just like, this is what I know I'm good at. So I'm going to stay in this lane versus like, this is what I'm actually interested in. And this is what I want to try. And being brave enough, like kids are brave enough to jump off the monkey bars and potentially break their legs <laughs> to jump off the swings. We, we, we want to protect ourselves because being brave is risky. Being courageous enough to be bad at something, being courageous enough to look stupid and look a fool. Um, kids have the, have the resilience for that. Adults don't because we're all about trying, we're trying to survive at this point. When kids are exploring, you're just trying stuff, you know? Um, but as adults, like, yeah, we lose that ability or not the ability, but we lose the, um, the will to kind of want to embarrass ourselves for fun, you know? So yeah, I agree with that. Barbara says, you know what? That pisses me off. Someone calls themselves a teacher squelching someone's dreams. It happens a lot. Go ahead, girl. Do your thing. Thank you. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try. Um, Masika says, thanks for this conversation. I feel like we're all friends here. Yay. In this small, intimate group, we are all pretty much, my glasses, that's why God gave you glasses. We are all pretty much are alike or have the same dreams and interests. I agree. I definitely agree. Like listening to, reading you guys's, um, you all's uh, interests and dreams, they do sound alike. And, and you see that, what I hope that you see is that we all struggle with the same stuff, like the same fears, the same uh, experiences. My hope in sharing my experiences is not just to hear myself talk, right? It's therapeutic, like it's therapeutic for me to like put words to the feelings and the experiences that I had. But my hope is that people will see or hear my experience and be like, oh, I'm not alone. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? Cause it's crazy because people are like, what you're doing is so great. And I'm like, literally, I'm just trying my best. I'm not doing anything special. Like I'm, I'm not doing anything special. I'm not, 
What's special is that I'm actually showing up and trying. That's it. That's it. Like that's it. Is that I'm sure, and you all have the capability and the ability to do the same things in whatever field that is. It doesn't have to be music. It doesn't have to be speaking like this. It doesn't have to be writing or whatever I do. It could be whatever you do. Just do it with everything in you. You know what I'm saying? Like that's my hope and that's my goal. And I'm glad that you feel like we're friends here because I feel like we're friends here too. That makes me happy. Um, Nicole says, "Yeah, we lose that spirit, but I'm ready to go back to the energy of play." Me too. Let's do it. Okay, so if you weren't here earlier. Um, there's an event this Saturday. It's for black women, um, for black girl creatives. And it's really about just recovering and reclaiming our dreams and really like a sense of play in our creative space, creative and dream space. Um, because both of those things were taken away from us, like ancestry wise. And so we're going to talk about that and all that good stuff and how, because we're coming from a place of survival, we forfeited the opportunity or really not really forfeited. We didn't really have the space or the time to pursue those interests in those dreams. So if you're interested, check it out. The link is in the description. Um, and if it's not, just hit me up and I'll send it to you. Um, but yes, I'm ready to get back to the energy too. I'm ready to do it too. It's scary, it's hard. Even though play should not be hard, right? Doesn't that sound like counter? Anyway, the play is hard when you're so used to surviving and like, I'm just trying to survive, like really getting to the place of like, okay, let me just have some fun. That's scary, that is scary. Shaughnessy says, Steve Harvey always tells the story of a teacher who told him he wouldn't make it on TV because he stuttered, wow, that's really mean. And who and who do you know that's been on TV? Exactly, exactly. See, and we take these people's word to be truths and to be facts, and it's not true. They can't see the future. They don't even know us like that. They see us during the week. They don't know nothing else except what they're trying to teach us. And if we can... I don't even, that's not their place for him, for them to say that to him. But yeah, exactly. Like, exactly. Proving them wrong. So I hope that you guys were inspired by this. I hope you were encouraged. I hope that you have um, a little, you know, if there was little seeds that it was like sprouting a little bit that you feel like you can, you can play around, you can revisit the dreams that you had as kids and really figure out like what about those dreams drew that to you and do you see those dreams in your life today? And are there things that you just gave up on because somebody told you you couldn't do it or you weren't good enough or you were too big or too small or whatever it was, whatever stupid thing it was. And can you go back and give yourself, give yourself, give your child self a chance? Can you do that? Because kids have it right. Kids are way more free than we are. They, they're doing something right. <laughs> they're doing something right. Um, so I wanna shout you guys out for coming. Thank you, Marcus. Or, and to all the people who's not commenting, shout out to you, thank you for being here. Um, Thank you, Marcus. Thank you, Jamile, Marquita, Barbara, Masika. <laughs> Barbara again. Let's see. Glasses. Rocio Gold. Thank you for being here. And again, if I'm saying that wrong, please let me know. Nicole. Crunk Monkey. I think I'm saying that right. Nicole again. Winged Wolf 500. Shaughnessy. I think we have, do we have everybody? I think we have everybody. Thank you guys, thank you for being here. Um, I hope you have a wonderful week. So today's Monday, and again, tomorrow I'll be here tomorrow at 8 p.m. as well, Eastern Standard Time, to do more music with you guys and to create. But if you didn't get anything else from this from this live, give your dreams a chance, do they're to you for a reason. Um, and God entrusted you with those dreams. And so when somebody gives you a gift, you know, they don't want you to just keep it in the box. This is Carmax, Carmax. They don't just want you to keep it in the box. They want you to to actually enjoy it and to use it. And so I think it brings God pleasure. Um, 
It brings God pleasure to see us play with the gifts that he gave us. It brings God pleasure, whether you're spiritual or not, like your creator, it, it, it brings him pleasure to see you using the gifts he gave you. You know what I'm saying? Like when you give somebody like a picture and they hang it on the wall, you're like, oh my God, you hung the picture. Like that's, that's how, that's how much pleasure it gives him. It's not frivolous. It's really for you to enjoy, but it's also for you to give to other people. He gives us our gifts because if everybody brought their gifts to the table, nobody would be without. And I really, really truly believe that. Um, so yeah. Barbara says, you remind me of younger Yanla Van Zant and Van Zant, Van Zant. Loved it. Yay. That makes me happy. Yeah. She's intense. She's a, she's intense. Shaughnessy said, this was good. Yay, I'm glad. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And Crunk Monkey, prayer hands. Yes, absolutely. Well, you guys, I hope you have a wonderful evening. And if I see you tomorrow, I will see you tomorrow. And if not, have a wonderful week. And I will be here again next week. So until then, you guys, have a good evening. Bye.